This is Richard Capriola, the author of The Addicted Child, A Parent's Guide to Adolescent Substance Abuse, and you're listening to Moments of Grace with Dr. Jerome Butler. This is your host, Dr. Ray Jerome Butler, and welcome to A Moment of Grace. Uh, love having you here with us, dear hearts. It is such a, a wonderful day, a wonderful day to be alive. Um, our last episode, we were talking with uh, Mike Burgess, and Mike is um, Mike is a teacher of 28 years, uh, a veteran teacher, uh, and and as Mike is shared with us on our last episode, I, I think just has a, a wonderful heart uh, to um, to look at this incident uh, that we call justice for Willie, young man, 16 years old, that was lynched. Uh, for a crime that it was impossible for him to commit. Uh, all of the working pieces and all of the working parts to bring this young man to the rope, to the gallows, to be lynched, um, are systematic uh, for that time. Like I always say, dear hearts, we can, if the only way for us to do better is to be better. And so, preferably with Willie's story, it doesn't bring us to a place of anger. It brings us to a place of understanding because keep in mind, let me say this, keep in mind, um, there's still a lot that's going on in our communities. Um, you know, I drive by, uh, I live in the same community that, that, uh, um, Mike is, is, is teaching in. We still drive by the statues. They're still here in, in this community. We also know, uh, Dylan Roof was was raised here, this young man who killed uh, nine African-Americans in Charleston, South Carolina. His family lives here. Roofs are uh, a, a very prominent name in this community. Um, with that said, those are bits and pieces and stories. I've also met some wonderful, wonderful people here. I've preached in this community in churches that were uh, predominantly Caucasian. I've had some great relationships with people. So again, like I said, it is not the country. These are the hearts of the people. Very well, the same people that um, accept me as their brother, accept me as the man that I am, are, are on the other side. I've also ran across people who have tried to call me boy, that I had to <laughs> correct them, <laughs> that you're talking to a grown man with a PhD and, and has his own family. So th those are just, those are people. And unfortunately, people get into power. They have certain things that they want to, to push, certain ideologies they want to push, and people get hurt. And so that's what happened with, uh, with uh, Willie Lee Park. So, uh, Mike, welcome back to Moments of Grace. Well, thank you for having me back. And, um, you know, to, to recap uh, from the, or, you know, just, just a couple of loose ends from the first episode. Uh, and I thought I made the connection, but just to make it clear, you know, after his death, there appears in, in the papers in South Carolina, which are wired out across the country in Canada, this, this idea that there was a conspiracy, that, you know, she was pregnant, he is light-skinned, mm. and somebody said, ding, 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 this is how we'll explain her pregnancy, thus covering for whoever in, in the white community of Lexington or from her from a mill town just about 10 15 miles away uh did this and 
On May 4th, the morning of May 4th, uh, Lee Park's lawyer is on a train to Columbia. Okay. And he is overheard from a friend of F.C. Kaufman, the Ben Tillman political operative community leader in Lexington, as telling the person he was speaking with that his client, Lee Park, uh, who Graham is white, mm-hmm. he didn't really want the judge made him take the case, actually made okay. him take the case, I think the day of the trial. Oh, wow. And could have very easily just walked away afterwards and yet fought for this young man, was telling his, whoever his, his friend was that Lee Park was going to be moved to Richland, that he was going to have a new trial, and that he was very confident that based on the evidence the governor now has, which was not public knowledge, that he would be acquitted. Mm. The person that overhears them goes to F.C. Kaufman, tells them oh, what's wow. up. Over the course of the day of the 4th, uh, the word goes out, and you have at 2 a.m. on the morning of May 5th, a mob forming on Main Street, Lexington. Wow. Uh, for those who ever visit Lexington or who know Lexington, the jail we're speaking of is located at the intersection of Maine and North Lake. Okay. It's where the it, what we call today the old courthouse is, the gotcha. 1940 courthouse. Gotcha. One of the busiest sections in a growing town. Uh, and before that courthouse was built in 1940, uh, the jail building had been there. So, so that's another thing that's gripping about this case. It's the one lynching in Lexington where you can actually go to the place and say, yeah, this, this wow. happened there. Wow. Uh, the mob forms, uh, the people, the, the men of the town of Lexington are wearing masks. The men outside of town are not. And we get this from grand jury testimony from the sheriff and his wife who live in the jail with their children. Oh, wow. 2 a.m., the mob begins to use a sledgehammer to break down the door of the jail. Their intent is to take Lee Park out of his cell, haul him over to Graham's house about a mile away, and lynch him in Graham's front yard. Mm. Uh, But they're going to need the keys to get into the cell block. And so they storm into the residence of the sheriff, demand the keys. To this sheriff, who's George S. Drafts, who is also a member of St. Stephen's, common theme here, Mm. Uh, is it refuses to give him the keys. Okay. They hold his, he and his wife at gunpoint, refuses to give him wow. the keys. They fire five shots into the ceiling, refuse to give the keys. They then hear his children and they climb up in the loft. And at that point, the sheriff shouts up, give him the keys. This is the Moments of Grace. This is Dr. Butler. And we're going to take a small break and we'll be right back for the climax of this story. A lynching in the South. Justice for Willie Lee Park. We'll be right back after these messages. There is an estimated half a million men, women, and children that are homeless in our country in this great nation each night. Statistics show the number one reason for homelessness is affordable housing. Dr. Butler and his family have started the Grace Project. It is a plan to build clean, affordable homes that will help get these families off of the street. They would love for you to partner with them by donating to this show, where 100% of the proceeds will go to the Grace Project. 
when you partner with The Grace Project in any dollar amount, you will receive Dr. Butler's latest book. To give, please go to momentspod.com or anchor.fm forward slash moments of grace and hit support. Thank you in advance from The Grace Project. So let's stop because I want us to look look at the irony of of this. The sheriff, of course, is Caucasian. Yes. His children are Caucasian. Correct. His wife is Caucasian. But in order to do this evil deed, we would be willing to threaten and even do bodily harm to what we would consider our brother, which is supposed to be honorable. All of them are part of the same congregation. Keep in yeah. mind, we're talking about, now I'm, I'm, a, I'm a disciple of Yahshua, a disciple of Christ. We're talking about people that are supposed to be Christian, you know, that, that, that are doing this at gunpoint, are doing this at the, the, the behest of racism um, to even come against somebody that they consider one of their own. Go ahead, Mike. I just wanted to add commentary. Yeah, I, and I think that that's interesting because obviously they all sit in the same services on Sunday. Exactly. And, and hear the and same messages. And, and that is actually going to be how the lynch mob leader, F.C. Kaufman, gets caught because he's wearing a mask. Okay. But there's something else that will catch him. So the mob gets the keys. Of course, the mob is about 200 men. Wow. They can't get 200 men in the cell block. And according to the testimony of another inmate who is in the cell with a young 16-year-old Willie Leapart, and this is a, an older white man, uh, at 2 a.m., Willie wakes him up and says, they're coming to get me. They're after me. Um, Charlie, they're after me. And at that time, it's not too long before they hear the cell block open and the mob is at the, at, at the, the gates of the cell. Now, this is before there's no electric lighting in this jail. It's all right. land. Right. And so at one point, they, Leapart is grabbing on to Charlie, Charlie Gates, and, and just sort of holding him. And the mob tries to breach the cell and with one hand, he's got Charlie. And the other hand, he takes a stick and pops whoever sticks, sticks his head in the cell. At that point, a couple shots are fired in the cell. And Charlie oh. Gates yells, for God's sake, let me out of here unless you want to kill two people. He breaks loose from Willie and dives into the next, the adjacent cell. But so he is an eyewitness of, of what's going to happen. Right. There's going to be a struggle. They are not going to have an easy time getting Willie out of that cell. Every right. time they try to stick a lantern in to see where he is, he shatters the, lan the lantern with a stick. And mm. this is a thick, thick stick. Right. Um, I mean, this is not some weak thing. Right. Uh, then they try to enter themselves physically, and he, he wounds a couple of them, hits them okay. hard enough. And understand, Willie is going to be described as, as, as sort of small, on the small side. Right, right. Uh, and one, that was one of the arguments, that he couldn't commit the rape also because the girl was sort of muscular and big. She's a mill, she works in a mill village, and he is of slight build, and yet he is fighting for his life. Eventually, they give up trying to breach the cell. They give up the plan of hauling him out, and they just fill the cell with lead. 
Um, oh my God. Gates reports he heard 200 shots. Uh, drafts in another portion of the jail and the residents said he heard at least 100 shots. Uh, they then drag him out. Uh, after bloody they, and wounded. Bloody and wounded. He's dead at this point. Okay. okay. Uh, he's shot in the head and, and it kills him. And mm. they shoot him 16 more times. Once they get him out of the cell, he's yeah, dead. They pull, they pull him into the corridor and they shoot him six more, 16 more times. Most likely with shotguns and pistols and perhaps some rifles involved with that as well. They then send for a local doctor to do the to convene the coroner's inquest because time is of the essence. On the night of the lynching, as soon as Graham heard the mob, he and his friend, Deputy Marshal W.J. Miller, take off for Columbia to get help. Okay. And so the mob knows the governor of South Carolina, who was adamant that this kid would not be lynched, right. is about to send his attorney general out oh, there. Wow. Wow. So they convene a coroner's inquest. It's a local doctor, lived about a mile away, who even says in the testimony he heard, actually heard what was going on. So he heard and, the shots from his house a mile away. Well, he heard the mob. I don't know. Oh, gotcha. Heard okay. Shots, gotcha. He heard the mob. Gotcha. And in his report, and it's a bit graphic, um, and I'll just share t- really the two two things that, that that describe what happened to this young sixteen year old man man. Uh, the coroner writes, he head was shot all to pieces and skull was all bursted up. Jesus. He was pretty, pre, he was shot pretty near all over. And, and I think that, that, that sums it up yeah. to, to what kind of condition he's in. Right. The, he, the, the coroner does, the, the quote, coroner's inquest jury does interview the sheriff, does interview his wife. And they are asked, do you know, individually, do you, did you recognize anybody? And they say, well, they had their, they were either wearing masks or we didn't recognize them. Right. Except they heard FC Kaufman's voice mm. about that. We've all been in church with yeah. someone who likes to sing loud and proud, right. whether it's good or not good. That's right. You know, if their voice been in church with them for a decade. We would know their voice. That's right. You're exactly and right. Kaufman is a, a famed orator. I mean, just delivers powerful speeches. They knew his voice. Wow. And so you have a n- number of things happen at once. They quickly skirt Willie's body off and bury him at the Lexington County Poorhouse, which, which we now know is where the Lexington Medical Center Extended Care Facility is. Okay. Uh, and... And then, so, so, so answer me this. So, so why are they in such a rush? Cause like, a, like you, because you, you were letting know, us know about the, the, the governor and, and the attorney general on his way, but, yeah. but why are they so intent and, and getting him buried and everything? Because they will control that. There won't be another control autopsy. The narrative. Okay. They can control the narrative. Got you. Got but you. they run into a hiccup when draft says, and his wife, I heard Kaufman's voice. So both of them identify Kaufman. Right. Wow. And the state solicitor arrives and immediately files charges and arrests Kaufman and one other gentleman who's not from Lexington. Okay. And so they are now going to be in the, the same jail Willie Leapart is in. Wow. Uh, in the meantime, Graham, and this is why I got attention, Graham and the deputy marshal are also arrested on charges from F.C. Kaufman that the affidavits he gave the governor were forged. Oh, Wow. The governor quickly gets Graham and Miller out. Right, uh, right. I tell you, gets Graham out. For some reason, Miller, he leaves Miller in jail. 
Okay. And I think it's because Miller is a, a white Republican mm-hmm. who is a federal empo- employee. So okay. Miller is in jail and he will add on his deathbed a year later where he's re- he spends the next year in Richland County jail on his deathbed say, I did not forge those. They were, you know, he, he switches his story a couple of times trying to get out of jail. And he finally right. says, no, th- these affidavits were real. That's right. So they're true. It's a true story. Um, and so you have that going on. Leapart's body is buried in unmarked grave. Uh, in terms of family, his father, uh, his mother had passed away before we, we the only you know, evidence of Willie Leapart's existence before this is in the 1880 census. When, when he is seven and mm. the mother, the mother is not, is, is, has passed already deceased. Uh, and so now it, it shifts from this, this young African-American male to this power struggle between the governor and, and Tillman's political operative. Okay. Let, uh, let, it, let's do this. If we could, Mike, let's yep. take a quick break. And when we come back, let's pick our story up there. Okay. All right, sounds good. All right. So, uh, we're talking with Mike Burgess. And um, wow, you know, justice for Willie. This is um, uh, Willie's story is it's an American story, unfortunately. Um, you know, what happened to this young man has happened in cities, not just southern cities, but cities all over this country and in pockets. Um, the names of these 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 people, um, some have been forgotten. And thank God, Willie's story is <clears throat> being revived and Mike is uh, kind of carrying the torch uh, for this particular story uh, of Willie. And when we come back, we're going to continue to talk about the political piece of this struggle about justice for Willie. And we'll be right back after these messages. Wouldn't you like to start your day upbeat and motivated? Dr. Butler has written a wonderful book. It is called A Moments of Grace. It is a devotional for a busy life. You can get your copy at www.drajrbutler.com. Our podcast has been nominated for five SPIN Awards. I would like to thank you for listening and also for your votes to the nominating committee at the SPIN Awards. Thank you all so much for recognizing our moments of grace. And we pray that you have a day of grace. Thank you. And we're back. We're talking with Mike Burgess uh, and our story is justice for Willie. Um, Mike had just shared with us the lynch mob that came to get Willie and, and how um, it appears a hundred or over a hundred shots shot into Willie's cell. Um, this lynch mob uh, has rushed to get his body autopsied and, and buried before the governor gets in, in, involved. And unfortunately, um, They've been a, a a few of the culprits have been identified, but now there's a political piece that's going on uh, in Justice for Willie. So, Mike, would you pick up there for us where we left off? Oh yes, sir. So after the lynching, almost immediately after the lynching, as soon as the governor 
learns of it, he releases to the media the affidavits. Literally invites the media, newspapers, of course, of course. to come to the office, and they copy everything <clears throat> verbatim. As soon as they hit the press, F.C. Kaufman and, and others realize, uh-oh, we have a problem here. And so they file a countercharge that George Graham and, and W.J. Marshall, who, who are two, I think, the heroes in this, along with the sheriff, um, you know, they say, oh, they, these are forgeries. Mm -hmm. uh, Miller, of course, is a white, white Republican of, of limited means. And he is literally, I think, intimidated into he recants and says, oh, yeah, yeah, these are forgeries. OK. Graham's like, no, these are not forgeries. Right. right. Uh, and, and at that point, the governor has removed Graham from jail, but he's he's furious with Miller and leaves him in jail. And there's never a, the, the only legal hearing we have record of is at some point Miller with a different lawyer files a federal thing, a federal request for habeas corpus and okay. it gets denied. Okay. And the Richland County jail is so bad, according to later newspaper accounts about Miller, that his health deteriorates. And less than a year after the lynching, he will be released from Richland County jail with two weeks to live and will die in the Richland County poorhouse. Wow. Um, but on his deathbed, he again says, you know, I, yeah, these affidavits were legitimate. Right. right. And, and, and then it expires. Uh, in the meantime, there's going to be a very unusual trial in 1890. That what, what has struck me recently, and I, we alluded to the Emmett Till drama right. on ABC and documentary, is that in 1955, it was amazing that a Southern you know, white grand jury would indict someone, would indict a couple white gentlemen for murder. Well, think about 1890 South Carolina. Exactly, yes. <laughs> and the grand jury indicts Get out of here. F.C. Kaufman and Pierce Taylor for murder. Wow. Uh, and so there is going to be a trial in June. Right. However, uh, at that trial, it's a sham trial. Yeah, we're still uh, in the South. The The... The defense does not present any witnesses. Uh, the coroner's inquest is the evidence that the prosecution presents. And in less than a day, the jury you know, acquits him and, and Pierce Taylor. Of course. There was also pressure. Uh, the women of Lexington surround the courthouse. And at this time, the courthouse is across Main Street from where the, the 1940 courthouse is today. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think there's a mortgage building there now. Yeah. But the women of Lexington, white women of Lexington, dress in white and surround the courthouse. Rosa Cannon and her family attend, which is interesting because at Willie's rape trial in January, Rosa's family did not attend. Okay. And it's the father that reached out to Deputy Marshall Miller and said, will you look into this? Because mm -hmm. the father didn't believe her. Right. Okay. Uh, and, okay. and there is a couple things uh, that come out in the media that say right. people that know her say she is of low character. So, so um, let me ask a question because with all this ensuing, has the child been born? So that, that's the great mystery that there's no record of the uh, child. Okay. There's no record. Uh, the, the neck, we see Rosa Cannon appear in newspapers briefly in a Lexington newspaper when she comes back from the mill village in Aiken, she's living in, 
to visit the Corleys. Okay. But we never see mention of a children. She will later marry when she's 28 to 30 years old, and she will live out her life in Greenwood County, and she will have children from that marriage. And, and, and I believe there's still children or grandchildren, most likely grandchildren alive. I'm not reaching out to them with this story. Right. Um, with, with that. But, but yeah, that, that we don't so, know what happens. So there's, there's no record um, that we know of, of, of a child being born. But we do know, based on family testimony, that she was with child. Not so much family testimony, okay. Okay. but but what people are saying around gotcha. Lexington that the media is picking up, that she Got had you. been ruined by a white man, that she had been betrayed Got by you. a white man, and the reason that Willie Lee Part was framed as, as by a biracial child was to cover that up, as if if the child is- Just in case. She has the child. Yeah. That's going to be, it's going to be blamed on the rape, right? which will explain while the child is being given away. Mm -hmm. There could be a child. Yeah. She probably, yeah. but, but if there is, that child probably was, was sent somewhere else. Yeah. We got you. Uh, we and got that's, you for that's, that time. Yeah. We right. Got you. Yeah, and this is yeah. not atypical for this right. time period. Right. Right. There, there's, um, there's a, uh, there's a lot of moving pieces to, to this story. Uh, Mike, and, and I want to want to thank you so much for taking the mantle up. Um, where are you standing right now with um, uh, what you're doing? Uh, are you because your this story uh, got my attention in church and um, our pastor was just sharing about, you know, I think a meeting was going on or something and I was was going out of town but um, wanted to at least talk to you to get a little bit more information um, about this. Because, you know, like I said, we're, we're in a system and time these days where um, there's a, a lot of tension. I think we've taken a few steps back instead of taking some steps forward uh, from a racial dynamic. That's, that's my opinion, and that's my opinion only. But I say again, these are just people. This is not our nation. This is not who we, I don't feel this is who we are as a, as a people. That's just me. You know, like I said, uh, just as well as I've had my hiccups, um, with racism, I'm, I'm sure other people have had hiccups regardless, you know, whether it's been with, uh, and I'm, I'm not, uh, painting a broad stroke against law enforcement. I'm just saying with law enforcement, maybe with the legal system or whatever, we all have our issues. Uh, unfortunately, this lynching of this young man is the um, the low standard. This is the low brow. This is the low hanging fruit of who we are. We are better than this. And I truly feel that. Uh, where do you guys stand with this project so far? Uh, so Mike? there's one group in Lexington uh, under the it's an equal justice uh, initiative project. They are working to commemorate all the lynching victims. And so there'll okay. be a marker from that. Is it nine? Well, how, how many of it is in, in Lexington? It depends on whose record you look at. I got, you. Uh, I got you. EJI has eight. Okay. Lexington County Museum has 10. Okay. Um, and so they're working that part. So, so but, let me ask you this. So, so the museum actually um, identifies, because I didn't know that, the mu museum actually identifies the, the yes. lynchings that have gone. Yes. Really, that's that's yep. that says a lot about the community wanting right. to preserve uh, that history. They're starting to do more 
with African-American history because quite frankly, and one of the reasons I think the marker that the EJ, EJI group is doing is important is in my school district, which is the, the largest school district in Lexington County, I would argue there's one historical marker to African-American history. And this is a five high school district in which three of the high schools are classified as 5A, like the largest classification right. you can have. Right. And there's one history marker for, for one of the old Rosenwald schools. Gotcha. So they're doing that. What, what we decided in the meeting you're talking about is that we want to get Willie's rape conviction cleared. Okay. The reprieve never expunged the conviction of rape. Right, exactly. Um, that was going to take place through a new trial. It just postponed the execution and, and until a new trial or a hearing proved otherwise. Um, therefore, this 16-year-old man was slaughtered a, as a convicted rapist. Right. And we believe that it is the right thing to do uh, to, to, to clear his name because right. – just as Dr. King said, an injustice, you know, in one place, anywhere, or anywhere is, is a justice, justice everywhere. everywhere. Correct. I think it occur that, yeah. that quote can be applied to across time. Of course. I mean, people have asked, well, why is this so important? I'm like, well, here I know this this young man did not do what he what, what he did and, and, and lost his life because of it. I can't just sit here and not do anything. So right. I reached out to a former basketball player and student of mine. Now, this will date myself. He graduated from Lower Richland High School in 1996, Overture Walker. Okay. okay. Overture is very, is, is, was very interested in taking this on. He has built a legal team. Uh, oh, wow. And we, you know, I am the historian. Mm -hmm. And we are beginning to examine all possible options for how to pursue bringing justice for Willie. Everything wow. from maybe a posthumous pardon to even a, a, the new trial he never had. And so we know it's going to be a long and laborious process, but we have a passionate, committed legal team that that believes that we can we can finally accomplish this goal. Is this is this something that we have that you guys have uh, already petitioned uh, Governor McMaster? Uh, okay, so we still got a ways to go. Right, we've got to look for the best avenue for success here. Uh, are there any so, other? Um, and you may or may not be able to share this. Any other? Uh, like uh, Clyburn or um, Tom, oh, excuse me, or um, Tim Tim Scott, Lindsey Graham. Right. Is there anybody else that has been, you know, that that's a lawmaker that has been uh, kind of uh, informed of this and that wants to get on board? No, but 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 you just pointed out something that yes, all all of us sitting on on the team should probably do <laughs> so so we'll be reaching out to them um it's right now we're, we're trying to, to to more legal but as you know if it comes down to a pardon situation yeah uh and we can i believe we, we would go to the state parole board present the evidence that we have uh much like i don't know if you or your audience saw this in the news the plessy and the famous plessy v ferguson Supreme Court ruling, you know, separate but equal, was mm -hmm. just pardoned by the state of Louisiana. Right. Um, we believe that once, if we do that route, and it goes to the governor's desk, if that governor needs encouragement, then it turns into, yeah, these are people we need to make, they need to not only know, but we need them to act, if, if that makes sense. Yes, definitely, definitely. And um, if you... Um, 
need any assistance from us, please um, let us know. Oh, absolutely. Uh, we have some, you know, we have some, some, I'm, I can't name drop or anything, but we have some, some contacts. I'll just put it like that in, in, in South Carolina politics um, that we, um, you know, can, can make a phone call and see if they're interested. Right. Know? Right. So, and, and when that time, we know that there, there's probably going to be a time where we're going to have to bring public and political pressure yeah. as an end game. We're, we're just not at that point yet. I got you. I got we're, you. Right now, if we did that, we don't even know what Avenue, right. You know, we're still looking at what's the best Avenue. Right. And we're just not there yet. And other than some, and I hate to use this language, other than some abashed racist, for for a politician is really no loss. He's, right. He's he's right. deceased. Uh, his story is, um, you know, is 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 other than you bringing it back to life, and 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 the committee that you're working on is is kind of lost in the ether of time. You know, other than the lynching project and some other things. Um, so it's, it's, it's no loss to somebody. In fact, it may be a win-win for some politicians to, um, to, to take up this mantle. Uh, Mike, is there anything else you want to share with the audience before we let you go, my friend? Thank you so much for being here. Um, uh, you, the, the, this story is, um, you, you've told us so eloquently and with such grace, uh, and, and such, such care that you're handling uh, Justice for Willie. Uh, thank you so much for, for all that you're doing. Uh, but is there anything else you'd like to share with the audience before we end this uh, episode? You know, the, the, this story is on coming, ongoing, and it's not my story. It, it, it should be the community story. Right. Uh, if anyone out there in the listening audience thinks they might know of someone who is a descendant of, of this Willie Lee part, We've turned up nothing so far, and that is one of the problematic things as we look at how do we get standing in court. Uh, I would certainly would love people to ask about that and, and just ultimately pray for us because, because we know that even if we're in the 21st century, that this is still controversial and that there will be people in, in this community, in this state. I've had, had a couple phone calls with such people who, who oh, wow. are absolutely uh opposed to this and, wow. and so definitely pray for us uh you know i have one gentleman call me and and i won't use the words on there but you. it was f this f that f yeah. you move the f out of lexington you wow. you in in loving sob you know in 2022 we're and, still and, going yeah. through this and wow. then i had one gentleman write me that the really brave and courageous anonymous letter that says good luck keeping your job so, wow. you know, it's whatever. I'm like, you, you can come try um, wow. because there's, there's nothing that's going to push, push myself, our legal team, our supporters off from making sure that, that before I leave this earth, that we're going to have justice for Willie. Wonderful. Wonderful. And, and with that said, um, and I don't know if, if um, you've looked at, we have some lead parts in our in our church that we belong right. to, but of course I know, you know, um, the way that names were given to African Americans, a lot of them may or may not be related because of, of slavery. They may have just taken we, on slave owners' names and things yeah. of that nature. There are a a million lead parts in Lexington County, and right. not only that, I've learned 
there are a lot of Willie Lee parts yeah. <laughs> in the ni- late 19th and early 20th century. So we've had a couple, and I'm like, yeah, so-and-so in my family was Willie Lee part. And I'm like, yes, and then no. <laughs> no relations. Uh, right. You know, his like I said, his father was a widower, ironically enough. His father will last, the last record we have of him is in the 1910 census. He is living in the very same Lexington County poorhouse in which there's the, the potter's field that Willie is buried in an unmarked grave. Hmm. Uh, we believe he passed away there and is buried in the same cemetery with his sons, which, which we have learned. And, and I don't know how much time we have, but we learned in the last week, literally in the last week, which shows how this story is ongoing that the potter's field is under the modern day Lexington extended care. Wow. That in the nineties, when they were, they were tearing down the, the successor to the poorhouse, which was Rikers nursing home. Okay. They were building this new building. They were digging the basement and they ran across human remains, mm. like a large number of human remains that they then Lexington medical center, uh, got a funeral home to take care of the remains put a public notice in the newspaper, nobody claimed them, and then they're buried at a church. Now, the former board member I talked to couldn't remember the the, the funeral home or the church, and the the lady that that was sort of led that effort is also passed away. Hmm. So we're we're also trying to to, to reach out to Lexington Medical Center to find out, you know, what records do we have of, 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 of this? You know, were photographs taken? Right. Arguably, sadly, mm-hmm. I think it would be easy that if there was a skull, if Willie Lee Park's skull was part of this human remain, these human remains that were excavated, DNA. I don't know if archaeologists were brought in, mm-hmm. that it would be easily identifiable because of the damage it sustained. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah um, definitely. But, but regardless, we want all of these. We, I want to know where this church is, and maybe the viewers know, okay. um, because, you know, I want to make sure that that you know, for all the, the, those folks whose graves were disturbed, that they are, there's proper recognition. Got you. Got you. Well, Mike, thank you so much for um, coming and sharing your, uh, uh, Willie's story on these two episodes. Um, and we, we just want to encourage you for, for the, we'll pray for the young man who said, talked about your job, the devil is a lie. And especially, uh, the the uh, the person that called you with uh, all the racial epithets, uh, you know, only thing we can do is pray for these people. That's not all. That's not everybody in Lexington. Let, let me say it again. And I said it in the last episode and I say it now. These are just people. In fact, I think this is just me. This is just me. I'm, I'm, I'm just, you know, just just one just one cog in the wheel. I think we give these people entirely too much credence. Oh, absolutely. With their and, words. And let me share this real quickly. That That's the only two things I've gotten. Got you. So last June, I decided to do a test run to see how old white Lexington would respond. Mm-hmm. As a member of the St. Stephen's congregation, I gave this presentation, Justice for Willie, to our Lutheran men's group, which included distant relatives to members of the lynch mob. Wow. And I was like, let's see how this wow. is going to go. Uh, wow. And afterwards, every bit of feedback I received was positive. positive. I've been invited back to update them. Uh, you know, it, it was it was such a great thing to see that, yeah, that, that like you said, I mean, th- this group we give too much attention to. 
is, is not just a minority. I mean, they're not even relevant. They're not. They're really um, not. They're not. And, and yet the majority of people, be they white, be they black, want the right thing to be done, even right. in the case of a, a murder of 100, 130 years old, wow. of a young 16-year-old that was simply at church on, on Sunday night, January 26th, and got caught up in this horrible tragedy. Wow. Wow. Well, thank you, Mike, for, for all that you're doing. Thank you so much. Um, and, and be encouraged, my friend. Like I said, the, you know, those, those, those uh, you know, what, what's the old saying? A, a empty barrel uh, rattles the loudest. And so yeah. uh, these people who have come against you, there's something empty inside of them. Um, there's there's a, a place that they want to continue this um, this mental facet that they are superior to someone else when, again, their lowbrow ex exploits show exactly who they are. And so with that said, thank you, Mike. Yes, um, sir. And thank you, audience, uh, for being here with us. Um, and again, reach out, Mike. Would, would you? Can people reach out to you? Do you have a um, email? Uh, we don't. Yes, like I said, we're international. I don't know if you want to give out your phone number, but maybe your email. I'll give out my email. Okay. It's, can I do it here? Yes, definitely. All right. It's m b u r g e s s twelve seventy at gmail dot com. M Burgess twelve seventy at gmail dot com. Wonderful, wonderful. And if, you know, a lot of times through oral tradition, we hear these stories and you may have heard this, may have heard a piece of this story through your family, through your family history. Uh, may not be anything written down. Get in contact with Mike. If you're listening to this broadcast and something kind of sparks in your spirit or something sparks from the oral tradition of your family about this lynching, Get in contact with Mike, and, and I'm sure he'll steer you in the right direction. Uh, again, these are all pieces of a puzzle. And, and once the pieces of the puzzle are put together, prayerfully and hopefully, with the help of God, we can get justice for Willie. Thank you again, Mike. Thank you. And so we've been talking with Mike Burgess about justice for Willie, a uh, young man, 16 years old, that was lynched. Uh, dear hearts, uh, Willie's story is everybody's story. Um, injustice can be done to anybody, no matter what your color is, no matter what your race is. Um, but this is one thing is that God will rise, raise up people that when you are done wrong, God will raise up people. If he doesn't do it with himself, that will help you through some of these tragedies. And with that said, thank you all so much for being here with us. Remember again, I love God, love life. Keep the light on. We'll see you next time on moments of grace.